0: You're listening to No Nonsense Sales from Sales Loft, your weekly dose of sales fun, where we interview some of the biggest names in sales and separate sales fact from fiction. And here's your host, Tom Boston. Do more with less. That's the topic we are covering today. Is it possible to do more with less? The results of this week's No Nonsense Sales LinkedIn poll are in. Drum roll, please, you the listeners are saying that it is possible to do more with less. 86% currently in favour of yes, it is possible. Let's hear what you had to say. Alan Meston says, working smarter, not harder, is always a plus. John Webster says, being told to do more with less sharpens minds and brings some much needed brutality into the stop, start, continue exercise. Here's my take. Not everything can be done with less resources. You can't make a cake without flour. It just won't rise. Why why is my cake flat? And why have you made two? Well, you told me to do more with less. So I've made two cakes without flour. Uh, They've not risen, but two flourless cakes for you. Enjoy. My point is that you can't take resources away. You're Results will be effective and sales teams are feeling the pinch all around the world. So to get to the bottom of this and to stop using cake analogies, I invited the CRO of ReachDesk onto onto the show, Alex Olly. On his LinkedIn profile, he talks about treating customers as humans. And I asked him, what does that
1: mean to him? Sure. I think I've been thinking about this one for a long time. I think perhaps let's start with the problem, what I see. Um, I think the problem we've got today is it's, it's so easy to do more. Like we automate more, we create a ton of noise. I think this kind of overloads our customers. I think they are kind of start getting treated just like a number. And what I'm also seeing is that AI is on the rise. I think this could almost get worse. What we're, I think we're doing is we're just like inundating people with, with digital. And where I've seen the gap has been revealed It's human connection. I think it's really simple. We as humans respond uh, way more positively towards human approaches. Um, I think this is quite rare these days. So I think it's really simple. You're asking about uh, my my view on treating customers like humans. Uh, If I'm the customer, make it about me. Make it easy for me. And Think about what you can do for me uh, as the customer. And don't expect anything in return. That's the key. Don't expect anything in return. There's this amazing book I remember reading. It's called The Power of Moments. And it talks all about how we should be aiming to shatter our customers expectations at all levels, like treat them as humans. And he has amazing examples of like how companies are winning doing this. And this is what I think uh, it's all about. It's just simply treating our customers like humans and don't expect anything in return.
0: Yeah. I love that piece on kind of surprising and delighting and being memorable um, when you're, when you're working with customers, right? Those moments you talked about there, they stay with the customer. And um, what are some of the best examples you're seeing then of kind of humanizing that kind of customer relationship and creating those moments?
1: Well, look, I mean, firstly, I'm a bit biased on this one because this is what we do at Reach desk And this is, and this is what I discovered six, seven years ago, just before we started to create this business, is I was kind of part of this problem. I was just like doing loads of digital and like kind of forgetting about the person. And actually, personally, what I started doing with my team is we started sending them like gifts and like doing things that would just like totally stand out. Um, and some people still call me up and that like, I've still got that personalized bottle of whiskey with my name engraved on it and my company logo that you send me and I show everyone this. And I talk about this all the time. And it's because I knew certain things about that individual. So I think gifting is obviously... Like hugely, hugely powerful. Um, I think the the thing that I I believe companies are kind of underestimating is, is the power of in-person, how many companies are now going and seeing their customers in person sitting down that that is underestimated with how powerful that is. And those are two things I'm encouraging everyone to do, obviously direct mail gifting, very powerful, very tactile, very physical, but also like don't underestimate the in-person thing. Since lockdown and COVID we kind of went remote and we're like, Oh, that's cheaper. Let's, let's do more of that, it's cheaper. I'm like, no, no, you still gotta go and see people. Um, those are very simple things that you
0: can do. You know, it's still quite novel, right? To to have an in-person event that's not not gone away. Uh, I'm going to one in a couple of weeks and it's all very exciting, right? Oh, we're gonna see, see people in person face to face. And I, I, I think we should do more of it. I'm definitely on board with that. Y- you mentioned the word cheaper there, which I wanna pick up on because of course, we're talking today about doing more with less. Everything has to be cheaper mm. nowadays. Um, <laughs> what's your, what's your gut reaction to that? What do you think we're able to, to do more with less?
1: I mean, it's certainly doable to an extent, I suppose. I mean, I'm hearing some companies who, you know, they're reducing their budgets by half, but then they're expecting their teams to deliver twice as much. And you know, let's say the 12 months prior, they were only just hitting their goals which I think is insane, by the way. I'm not sure why someone thinks that's a good idea. The spreadsheet tells them to do it, but the logic doesn't. Um, I think it also depends on how wasteful you were before. One of the things we're learning in 2023 is we were creating a load of waste. And so I think you can do more with certainly less, but you've got to like, reduce that wastage. Um, there's a saying that um, culture, uh, sorry, yeah, culture eats strategy for breakfast. But I, I believe, honestly, I believe execution dines on both of them all day. And what I mean by this is we're talking about doing more with less. If you want to do this and you want to try and embrace that, uh, you've got to have a culture of, uh, of innovation. You've got to be changing stuff from, like, from letting go of these commonly held beliefs that you used to have and like, thinking about innovation and how you can drive things forward. Um, people have got to deliver on what, what they, they say they're going to do. That's what execution is all about. And you have to have a good strategy. And the three of those together... When I speak to companies now, the ones that think about strategy, culture, and execution as a holistic approach are the ones that are actually innovating and doing a lot more with less. Um, and we actually have a phrase here at Research where we say, do more better. I think it was Ben Smith, our, our director of uh, our BDR team, came up with it. It's really simple, but we believe in making small iterations, uh, only doing more if we're confident it will make an impact. And we have done more with less, just we haven't taken it to the ridiculous, like that example before, where we're trying to like double revenue with half of what we had before, because I don't think that's possible.
0: you got to keep it realistic, right? And I feel that you guys, uh, you're definitely doing that. You know, my next question for you is about CROs panicking in the current climate. Mm-hmm. But from speaking to you and from learning about what you do, you don't seem to be panicking. And, and if anything, and, I, and I'd say this is an observation, you seem to be embracing the current climate. What would you, what would you say to that?
1: Well, look, the the concept of panic is is a fear-mongering thing that spreads. Um, I think some CROs are crushing it. I don't think all CROs are panicking right now. I think it's hard. Um, In fact, I'm seeing the the best ones are are embracing this, and they're they're seeing signs of improvement now uh, where we're at. Look, the reality is CROs, revenue leaders, whatever you want to call it, um, they've had a ton of pressure this year uh, in in this climate that that we find ourselves. I'm a CRO. It's certainly made things a lot harder, um, but I think my approach to this is like, focus on what you can control, use this time to level up across the board. I, I really wish here at Reaches we had the go-to-market strategy we have today compared to let's say a year ago, because we just got way better every day, like just keep iterating. Um, and so yeah, some maybe some are, are panicking. I think the best people are using this time to improve, I think they're using it to raise the bar. Um, the ones who are panicking, I think they're probably the ones that have got their head stuck firmly in the ground and they're not doing anything. So yes, some people are panicking, I suppose, but the best uh, are doing the opposite. They're standing firm, they're they're innovating, they're iterating, and they're finding ways through and they're focusing on what they can control. And that fight, I think, is the ones who who do that right and they embrace that mentality. They're going to be the ones when things do improve, they're going to be the ones who are going to start crushing it well ahead of the others that just sat down and waited for things to happen.
0: So you talked about, Innovation there, and you talked about your current uh, go-to-market strategy. I'd love you to talk through what that looks like because I think it's fascinating this all-bound structure. Mm. Um, I, I know that you've spoke about it and you you kind of explained it really well. I'd love you to give me, in a nutshell, what that looks like and what it used to look like because I, I think it's great.
1: In a nutshell, it's hard, Tom, uh, because we, we've done a lot, but I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep it as succinct as possible then. So we used to think about like inbound versus outbound, like sales source versus marketing source. Um, I think we really, we had to rebuild our team and we think now about revenue and pipeline holistically. It used to be very siloed. Um, And I think the way I think about it, it was like, it was structured like an assembly line. Marketing generates MQLs, SDRs do this and AEs. It was like very siloed, very assembly line like. And what this meant for us is there was this real divide between inbound and outbound. We barely even shared resources. Marketing was only really focused on this inbound number, let's say. Attribution was about like taking credit and not focused on, hey, what's working, what's not working? How can we reduce wastage? How can we double down on what is working? BDRs were kind of only going cold against kind of a list approach method. Um, our AEs weren't actually general to pipeline, partly because it wasn't an expectation, but that was kind of marketing's job. Partnerships doing their own thing over here. Ops, we very siloed too. And so we came up with this all-bound methodology, which is all about generating and capturing demand as well as closing more revenue holistically as a team. I think it's what modern marketers and salespeople are doing now. They think about inbound and outbound as, as one motion, for example. They think about revenue and putting everyone towards revenue uh, in harmony. And that's the approach that we've taken. And so some of the things that we've changed is, well, the first thing i changed is everyone now is focused on revenue and some of them even focused on net retention. So that's a very different mindset, mindset uh, shift from, let's say, how do we get more inbound? Like the focus is on revenue. We changed comp plans to address this. Um, we started using tools like six Sense so that we can use intent data. So I now think about like, BDRs and AEs as a way of capturing demand, We're not just waiting for people to like fill in a form and crediting that to marketing. It's like, how do we get first to the party and enable our team to do that? Um, partnerships is a key part to this too. So they're not just, creating referrals, but they're really helping us co-sell and go to market together. The way we plan marketing now is very different because it's not just top of the funnel, it's like the full buyer journey. So now we have this all bound machine, I suppose, which is, it's everyone working in tandem together to work towards efficiency and revenue, as opposed to kind of our own individual roles and that assembly line concept that I described before. And um, I think it's, it's put us in, in good stead.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just love the idea of putting revenue at the heart of what everyone is, is focused on. And that's something that I've really taken away from that. I found it really interesting that the last time we spoke, you said that it wasn't for everybody, right? And, and a few people mm-hmm. kind of left. Do you want to talk to me a little bit more about that?
1: I mean, look, if, if you've worked in marketing for let's say 10, 15 years, um, and you've been focused on an MQL goal, and that's all you, you know and all you, you're used to, and you don't want to adapt to change, it's gonna be really hard for you when I say, your goal is now to focus on revenue. And that's just something that people struggle to embrace and that they want to go with what's more comfortable to them. So I think I had to make it, make it very clear that this is how we do things now. And look, not every way a company operates and the journey they're on is for everyone. We hate to talk about this. We hate to talk about, hey, we're on a certain journey, you're either coming with us or you're not. Um, but I think it's healthy to make sure that you articulate as a leader and as a company, and as a team, and you align on what's important and how we're going to do things and say, this is the journey we're on. And you'll figure out who wants to come along with you.
0: It just makes sense to me. In the long run, you know, you've got people by your side who believe the mission. And if you're all kind of walking together with one common goal, how can how can that be a bad thing? Um, now, I feel like I've been missing a trick if I don't speak to you about churn. Because CROs okay. so focused on that right right now. Mm. Um, what's your what's your take? What are you seeing, and how are CROs taking control of revenue with customers who are who are churning left, right, and center?
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a good one. I love this. Um, I think I think part of the problem with churn here's the thing I've learned is that customers don't tend to tend to tell you the truth. Like they're humans. You might be on a QBR or however, however you do it. Um, they don't always tell us as suppliers what their grievances are or what's upsetting them or what actually about your product and your service they don't like. It's just easier to kind of tell you things that, that you want to hear, I suppose. Um, it kind of comes back to what I was saying to you before. It's like I don't think people are going to – I don't think CROs are going to get all the information they need by looking at health scores or dashboards that show adoption as such. One of the best ways I've found to, to, to mitigate this and specifically churn, but just anything, it comes back to my point before, like go and see your customers, speak to them yourself. If you're in an ivory tower and you just looking at dashboards all the time, you're not going to get the truth. The truth comes from you investing your time into your customers, into your people. Uh, and, and I speaking to them directly, understand the problems that they're facing. Like get that back into your exec team and your product team and say, the dashboard says this, but I went to spoke to them. And they told me this and I've spoken to five other customers and they're saying the same thing. So we've missed something here. These conversations are giving us the intelligence we need. Let's do something about it. All right. So that's one thing. I think the other thing I, I kind of upsets me a little bit in that I think go back to 2020. Do you remember what the word on the street was? It was, it was uh, empathy. Everyone's like empathy. It kind of annoyed me at the time just because no one was really sort of helping an SDR understand what empathy really meant in terms of what you do with it. But like, be empathetic now. Like, it is harder for co- companies. Some of them are struggling a bit more than others. And so be empathetic towards that. Like, I think the goal for a lot of companies now is like, how do you keep your customer, keep delivering value to them? Don't behold them to the 5% increase that you've got in their contract. Like, if they can't afford it but they can pay you half, take that. Support them. I think that will pay dividends in, in, in the long run. And so those are the two things that I'm really thinking about at the moment that I think it's going to help in, in that run. Do um, you like keep your customers but like understanding really what their problems are? Get them to tell you face to face, look them in the eyes. That's what's going to make a difference. I think.
0: Love it. I love that. I and mean, I feel like it's a really nice way to wrap up the, the podcast, but we have to end, unfortunately with me subjecting the listeners to the dulcet tones as I cover a song that you've brought in. Do you want to talk me through the song choice uh, and, uh, and what it is?
1: Yeah. So when you asked me this, um, I thought long and hard about it, but, um, yeah, it's, it's human by the Killers. like, it's, it's energetic. It talks about what we've spoken about today, being human. Um, that's it really. I can't wait to, to hear you sing it, Tom.
0: Well, yeah. Look forward to that because uh, I'll I'll give it I'll give it a good go. But thanks so much for joining me on the show. Appreciate your time.
1: Thanks for having me, man.
0: Pay my respects to grace and virtue. Send my condolences to good. Give my regards to soul and romance. They always did the best they could. <laughs> human by the killers on no nonsense sales like they've never sounded before and hopefully never will again if you have enjoyed this sales podcast then why not subscribe on your podcast player of choice we'll see you next week don't forget to check out the no nonsense sales spotify playlist if you'd like to hear the killers track sang well see you next week